Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Under the guidance of acclaimed uh, South African storyteller, Mchope. Five orphaned children from Swaziland collaborate to craft a collective fairy tale drawn from their darkest memories and brightest dreams. Their fictional character, Liana, is brought to life in an innovative animated artwork as she embarks on a perilous quest to rescue her twin brothers. The children's real and imagined worlds begin to converge, and they must choose what kind of a story they will tell in fiction and in their own lives. We're joined today by the co-directors of this wonderful documentary. I guarantee you a documentary you have not seen like it before. It is an integration of the animation and their own stories, as I alluded to in the introduction, but also a collaboration among many, including Tandy Newton, who's the executive producer, and Daniel Youngie, who we know from such films as They Killed Sister Dorothy. It is a terrific film. Again, it is uh, one that uh, you will... You'll, it's heartwarming and endearing, and we're fortunate to have with us today the co-directors of the film, Aaron Kopp and Amanda Kopp. To both of you, a warm welcome to Film School. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, let's start at the very beginning. Uh, the film it takes place in Swaziland. I'm very curious, Amanda, how this project came about and, uh, and you know where you sort of started in telling this story. Yeah, so Aaron grew up in Swaziland, and we've been going back there together uh, since 2003. And when we met Zueli, one of the main storytellers in the film, he was about five years old. And at that young age, he was speaking in, in poetry. He's just this brilliant kid who was really fascinated by language and stories, and he really enchanted us, and we wanted to find a way to share his his brilliance with the world and as we started doing interviews with the kids we we set out to make sort of I would say a more traditional documentary mm-hmm. but when we were asking them questions about their past we realized that there was some really traumatic stuff going on there and we didn't feel comfortable sharing those interviews with the world in that format um, if it was our children we wouldn't feel comfortable asking those questions and showing the whole world. Um, so we were looking for a way to make the process more just protective and, and uh, respectful for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we started doing research about creative therapy and art therapy. And uh, when we realized there was going to be a fictional character, that's when we brought on Sina Mfope because Erin had seen her perform in high school and was just entranced with her. She's an amazing performer and storyteller. So when we brought her to the farm to do the storytelling workshop, it was a really intense few weeks of getting the story sort of laid out, the kids freestyling and making all the decisions for the character, and then we started work on animation. Yeah, I'll just add that I, I think it was important to us to make, as Amanda suggested there, just a film that the kids would be proud of. You know, I mean, there have been so many films made by white people, we are white people <laughs> in 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 Africa that 
that just take no consideration for what the people in the films will think, and it, it just tends to not, it tends to focus on certain subject matter uh, at the expense of, of the sort of beauty and dignity of the people, and that was just, you know, our experience, me growing up there and Amanda visiting there many times, just was so different from the kind of narratives that we hear in the West, generally speaking, that we wanted to create something that, that was true um, to what we knew, uh, to be sort of more of the full truth there. Um, and, yeah, so it, yeah, like Amanda said, it took us a long time to get it figured out, but um, well, we eventually, that we did. Well, I'm, I'm curious, uh, what was it about the, uh, the style, the sort of uh, the, uh, the way that uh, Gika Mcholpe how did, how did she strike you, you, you in high school? What was it about her, her ability to, to tr- tell a story, to draw out a story? Uh, tell us a little bit about her and her, the way she goes about doing that. Yeah, sure. So she's very famous in Southern Africa, and I had seen her perform when I was on, a, I think it was on like a theater trip or something. When I was in high school, she performed at this um, this theater convention, and I just remember being in awe of her. She has this amazing voice and this like presence that's just kind of entrancing, and, and um, I get goosebumps just thinking about it really <laughs> still now. Um <clears throat> She just has, I mean, she's a master storyteller herself, and she just has a wonderful way of inspiring young people to find their own voice. And her, you know, extensive knowledge of storytelling and story structure and all those things really allowed her to, with with the kids in the film, find this sort of perfect balance between creativity and freedom and structure because, you know... Right real good creativity needs a little structure to sort of pin itself on, but um, she's just, she's, I think she just is herself so inspiring that she just sort of coaxes out the best in the people around her. She has that kind of star power, you know? Well, it, in in watching the film, she has this uh, wonderful ability to uh, hear what is being said and being able to subtly encourage these these kids, these school kids, to draw them out, and and mm-hmm. then from that he, she is able to very qu- quietly, very understated way, draw a consensus among all of the, the the kids in the in the classroom to basically say, okay, that was great. This is where we are now. Let's sort of move forward. And you're right; she creates that big structure for them to fill in fill in the blank spaces. And she's really terrific presence in the film. That was my impression of her. Is that does that sync up with what? Yeah, that's that's perfect. Um, yeah, very well said. Um, yeah, she she really did sort of helm the process in a way that yeah that we would not have been capable of. And she just she has an amazing way with kids, and they, I think the kids really trusted her. They sort of fell in love with her, and I think that's what really allowed them to to flourish creatively. Yeah, uh, Amanda, let's talk about uh, a little bit of the context about you. You talked somewhat about the kids and you know their their circumstances, but. For people who aren't familiar with Africa, tell us where Swaziland is, and also some of the some of the terrible statistics about about the, the circumstances in which these children find themselves. True, um, definitely, and I I think I'm going to throw that question to Aaron because him growing up there, okay. he's just oh, that's true, more comfortable talking about it. Thank you, thank you. Okay, <laughs> sure, yeah, no problem. Um, 
Yeah, so Swaziland has the, the dubious distinction of having the worst AIDS infection rate in the world. Um, it's a tiny country, kind of in the southeast corner of the continent. Um, there's a million people in the whole country. Um, but one of the statistics that we give in the film is that more than 200,000 of those people are orphaned and vulnerable children, which is kind of, well, not kind of. It is sort of a staggering statistic to wrap your head around. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you know, there there are, and with that sort of tidal wave of AIDS has come all kinds of other challenges, you know, sort of socioeconomic challenges, cultural challenges, as you might imagine, it's sort of this, this web of things that people have to deal with in that part of the world. And all of that is so important and overwhelming and sort of hard to, hard to find an entry point for, I think, for... For anyone, yeah. um, but I think what's so special about these kids is that yes, they live in an orphanage, and they're there obviously because things haven't gone right in in their short lives. Um, but what was compelling to us was that in spite of all that, they were just sort of bursting with life and creativity and optimism and hope, and um, I think all of that traumatic terrible stuff we didn't want to ignore it but we wanted that to set in the background of the film because i think that the way that we you know in america or europe can identify with the people there is through is not primarily through their suffering you know i think that's been done in the past you know we've had these films about you know how awful things are in africa and i just i think that those narratives tend to separate us you know, there's sort of an exercise in otherness, I think, yeah. to some extent. If we wanted to create a film that that brought us together and kind of changed the power relationship so that these kids um, are the ones who drive the story. It's yeah. sort of story on their terms. And and that, they, that we would sort of see the difficulty in their life from their perspective. Yeah. And I think that, you know, they are not defined by the trauma that they've suffered. They're defined by their dreams and their hopes and, you know, all the, all the sort of fun stuff that defines any kid's life. And I think that that's a narrative that we can sort of move towards, I guess, rather than just a story we have to always move away from. Absolutely right. I want to remind our listeners that we are uh, speaking to the co-directors of, and co-producers as well of this wonderful documentary, a very interesting documentary that you've never seen a format quite like this. Uh, it's part animated film and part documentary, but it works beautifully together. We're speaking with Aaron Kopp and Amanda Kopp, and um, th- you're absolutely right. And I think we need to get to the part that I just described, how you decided to to turn their story, not only their – well, their story of their lives in, in this sort of uh, mythology that they create, this story that they create, into an illustrated animated uh, version of that uh, and what sort of inspired that and also talk a little bit uh, about uh, working with Shofella Coker who is the, the the person that animates this. I'll start with you Amanda. How did you get in touch with, how did this all come about, this idea of animating their story and then uh, the connection with uh, uh, Shofella? Well just in our research about creative therapy we we started thinking about the kids making art and the the fictional character was going to become this central part of the film. And so I don't know how we exactly settled on (laughs) animation. 
we just thought that the, the, the ideas that the kids were going to come up with, we wanted people to be able to dive in and really experience the storytelling in a, I, I would say, like an ambitious way. Um, and as we started searching for what is this animation going to look like, who's going to do it, we're a very independent, small-budget film, so hiring a big studio wasn't going to be an option. And we, we tested some local artists, and it was, frankly, kind of disappointing. Um, and it actually took us two years before I, I Googled the right term. It was an African illustrator. And I came across an interview with Shof Coker on AfricanDigitalArt.com. Uh-huh. And he was talking about just his passion for how to represent Africa more positively in in images and stories. And his work just blew us away. We, we instantly knew he was the one. And so we got in contact as fast as we could. And we he's, he's Nigerian, and he's based in San Diego. And so we, we flew to San Diego really quickly after that and talked him into quitting his great, well-paying <laughs> job <laughs> and convinced him to work for us insane hours um, for years. He just completely devoted himself to the project and um, became like family to us. I mean, it was the three of us in the middle of the night emailing back and forth notes and, and reference materials, and um, we just could not be more thrilled with how it's, his it's beautiful. Turned out. It's beautiful. It really is a beautiful. It looks great, uh, and I think you, as you described his work, uh, it's it seems as someone who I'm not an expert on Africa, but it certainly seems like a a very fully formed um, perspective on on the on the time and the yeah. place. So yeah, him being African himself, he understands that. The specificity of the different regions is really important. There's not some general African look. Right. And so we just inundated him with reference material, uh, video and stills from Swaziland and the kids' artwork. And he took it all in and, and was very intentional about, about making the, the animation represent Swaziland accurately. Yeah, it was really important to us to represent... For Swazi people to represent, to, to recognize themselves in the film, yeah. you know, to, to, for it to be distinctly and particularly Swazi, yeah. and you know, we have some some Swazi people on our team, and and having grown up there, you know, I, I, I'm proud to say that now, having taken the film back to Swaziland, that Swazi people say, yes, this is us. You know, we see ourselves, our, our beauty reflected in this animation, and I think Shof is really excited about the fact that he was able to represent Swazi people in a way that that's beautiful and in a way that they're proud of, which those kinds of images and those kinds, that kind of representation is, is shamefully rare. I think when it comes to African stories told, um, you know, in America and Europe. Yeah. I, I just going to make a observation. Um, I, we here in the West, certainly in America and I'll just say the West in general have no idea of how immense Africa is. We we tend to discount, I think, in a lot of ways, sort of the the sheer scale of Africa and the sheer diversity and uh, of it, and we tend to see a very stereotypical, 
a lot of people do anyway, a very stereotypical perspective on, on the continent and on its people. And uh, the the film that you shot in Swaziland, it's a beautiful, my God, it looks amazing from what I saw in the film. And I'm so glad to hear that you've had an opportunity to take the film back to screen it there. I can't imagine they weren't happy with it, but it is a, it's just a beautiful film to look at If on top of a lot of other things. So... Thank you. And, and uh, well, let, let's talk. We, we've talked a little bit about the story in general, but it is a journey. It's kind of the hero's, the Joseph Campbell-esque hero's journey here with Liana and her mm-hmm. her her uh, her journey to to rescue her twin brothers. And uh, it, it's it's told even though it's a fairly, you know, it's a heavy story about what she has to go through. There's a light to the storytelling and I think maybe a lot of it has to do with 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 the way that you were able to illustrate it but also cutting back and forth to the to this the kids as they described where this story was going to go there's a lot of things going on in the film that have a very powerful message behind it economic opportunity AIDS human trafficking all the different all the rest of it but at the same time it's delivered in such a way that it never feels dirge-like or dreary or anything like it. In, on the, the opposite, it feels full of life. I hope I did. Mm. I hope I did a decent job of explaining that. But it, it, that's yeah. what it feels. That's what. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you feel that way, and I think that's that's. I think that you're kind of getting to the heart of who the kids are when you say all that, you know. And I think I'm glad that the story does, in a way, kind of give you uh, an experience of the kids. I mean, that's, that's what we were trying to do, I guess, is, is give the audience this sort of enchanting experience of these really interesting people that we know there. Um, and the truth is, yeah, they are this kind of crazy combination of things. They have experienced some really rough stuff in life, and yet somehow they have this crazy optimism and hope and charisma and humor and all that. And so... You know, this kind of fictional story interwoven with the documentary was a way for us to hopefully portray that very complicated combination of things. Um, And so I'm glad that at least to some extent that comes across. And I think that the way they tell the story is really, it's just fun, you know, and it's sort of, we tried to stay as true as possible to their perspective on the story. And yeah, they're just funny, weird people. And (laughs) I think the story kind of, yeah, becomes that. Well, I just uh Amanda for me, I just wanted to there's one there's one sequence in in the film that really kind of for me sums up a lot of of this. It's when and if I and if I screw up his name, is it Thalani? Thalani. Thalani. He he goes to see the doctor and he goes in and the doctor at some point says to him, you know, we're going to take a blood test and I think Thelani probably knows what that means, but when, then he says we're going to take an HIV-AIDS blood test. And mm-hmm. the look on his face, the sort of the way that he takes the, what is going to happen, says so much about what these kids deal with, have been dealing with, their families have been dealing with for uh, for such a long time. And then I think he's the one who says, and I, I may be wrong about this, more it. I know one of the kids says, sometimes it's more difficult to live your life than to tell a story. Yeah. And, and that, that's really... Yes. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if I had that right, but 
Um, it just that sequence for me is the for what was the heart of the film. And then I think some right after that, someone says, "I am a storyteller." And again, I mean, this yeah. it's all part of the heart and to me, it's the heart and soul of the film. It it just it encapsulates an awful lot of of what these kids have been through and what and despite it all, continue to sort of see the the, the positive. It, it's mm-hmm. and that was an important scene for us to show, which we discussed it a lot because it, it's heavy and it's intense, and and people often remark that. They could hardly breathe during it. They were so nervous when he's getting this HIV test. Um, it's very, it's tense, and it was tense filming it as well. Um, but we think that it creates empathy. It it has you. You're in the room with him. You're feeling what it feels like. And, and yeah, these kids. That's a reality for them every day. Like AIDS is a huge problem in Swaziland. And but they're able. Yeah, they're able to. In you know, he, he's able to say sometimes it's you know the difficulty of telling your life than to tell a story and then before that somebody says sometimes the story of people's families can end sad and yeah. i mean again the sort of recognition these kids have they at their age and it's a jarring reality at the same mm-hmm. time it's delivered by these you know young optimistic voices and people and i i i've really quite taken um by the whole film but certainly that part of the film really really hit home for me well we were very struck by the wisdom that they displayed as they went through this whole process um by the end of the filming just to see how they they really just embraced the process and they started talking about liana and their own story almost in the same breath like it it just unified in a way and I, I think we could really see that they were processing what they had been through through her yeah. and the fact that they turn her into this heroic character yeah. I mean no, no spoilers or anything but she's a, she's a strong <laughs> a strong female Swazi and and that's super exciting to us uh, that that these kids wanted that for her and I think they see that in themselves. And I mean, we talk to them now, and they're they're excited about inspiring other kids like themselves. And and I think that these kids are going to become leaders in their community. Well, did did was you, were you struck by the by the idea that they they wanted a heroine, they wanted a woman to be the hero of the story? Yes, definitely. Um, and the the kids, so they came with us to the the world premiere at the LA Film Festival last year, and. The audience asked them about that because in the group, it, it's the the main storytellers. It's four four boys and one girl. So being mostly boys, the audience was asking, "Why did you make your character a girl?" And we thought the way that that Kumlani responded to the question was really beautiful. Uh, he said that most of the struggles in Africa are faced by females. Yeah. And so he said it made sense that if they were going to make a character who's going to overcome obstacles that she would be a girl or a young woman well they're really like they're they're quite feminist in their approach without even realizing it i mean i don't think they were making any kind of political statement by making her a girl at the time i think they just thought her hair looked cool (laughs) (laughs) but but they are they're they're surrounded by these these strong really hard-working women in their community 
food take care of them. And so that's the example they see. So I, I think it was pretty natural for them. And yeah. Let, let, let me remind our listeners that we're speaking with uh, Amanda and Aaron Kopp. They are the co-directors of this film, this documentary film called Liana. It, it comes out uh, today here in Los Angeles as we speak, October 19th. It's at the Lemley Glendale Theater, and it'll open on October 19th here in in, uh, in Glendale, obviously. And the two, Amanda and Aaron Kopp, will be at the screenings on Friday night for the 720 screening, as well as on Saturday night for the 720 screening. Please check this out. Please see this. Um, it's it's a wonderful documentary, it's a, and it's a very heartwarming and um, as well as informative about the circumstances that these kids find themselves in 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 Swaziland, and I'm sure not unlike some other parts of of Africa where the AIDS virus continues to be a scourge. I'm very curious, uh, Aaron. You you mentioned earlier about the uh, the opening in in New York, and you said, did you say that, that a lot of the kids were there? As um, yeah. Kids? Three of them. Uh, we wish we would have had more, but yeah, we we brought uh, three of the kids, our, our storytelling stars, to New York for the premiere and to LA last year, as Amanda suggested uh, earlier, because because you know it's it's their story. They they feel like it is it, they created it, you know, and so it's it makes perfect sense that they should be there, yeah. you know, to celebrate in its in its release. So we're we're very proud to have them there, and they just represent it so beautifully, you know they. They do so well on stage, and they just have so much charisma. It's, you know, it's really exciting to see people from, you know, from a complete, from a world away, literally, yeah, yeah. Uh, respond so powerfully to them. How old are they now? Uh, a lot older. <laughs> they between between seventeen and twenty now. Yeah, which is crazy. You know, obviously, we didn't mean for it to take so long, but that is uh, evidence of how independent and uh, sort of how much of a perfectionist we've been <laughs> over yeah. the years with the animation. You know, it just it took us a long, long time to finish the film. And so, you know, of course, we didn't mean for them to be this old when it, when it came out. <laughs> but interestingly, I think that they now, being older, appreciate it in such a, such a different way. And I think it's, I hope that it's kind of coming out at the right time for them in, in their lives as they're really transitioning into adulthood that they, you know, reflect again on the kind of story that they want to live, yeah. you know, in life. And I think they, they are doing that. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. And you, we obviously we talked a little bit about the, taking the film back to Swaziland. Uh, has there been any kind of a reaction, sort of from officials in the country? Is there some? Is there something? Because you, there's obviously an issue with orphans, with kids who have, you know who've lost parents. Uh, is there? Is it doing any sort of? Is it having an impact in in ways beyond the lives of these particular kids? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we've screened it there now several times. We were a part of this big, like, schools festival thing that happens where school hundreds of school kids come from all over the country, and we did a bunch of workshops and all kinds of stuff, and, and the kids in the film actually helped us lead some of those, which they were very, you know, proud to do, to be movie stars and, you know, be up on stage, um, which was awesome. But, yeah, we have several nonprofit partners that we're going to be working with going forward, showing it very broadly across Swaziland. <clears throat> you know, it's important that stories like this, you know, get back to those communities and, and are seen by them. And we, yeah, we think it's going to have a really powerful impact across the country that that young Swazis can sort of, uh, you know, see that their stories matter, that their their voices matter, and that they have, you know, beautiful things inside them if they're sort of 
only just allowed to open those doors. And as, as far as the sort of the official response, you know, the, it's a kingdom. And so that's always kind of a delicate, complicated situation. But so far, we've actually had a couple of members of the royal family give it their, you know, unofficial stamp of approval because they understand that these are real issues that need to be dealt with there. And, you know, I, the Swazi government, while not perfect, <laughs> has done okay at try to, trying to face this issue. I mean, they know they have to deal with it. And, and I think the fact that the film focuses primarily on the, the beauty and the creativity yeah. of these young Swazis, I think really resonates with them. You know, I think if it was just the sort of typical festival of misery <laughs> yeah. um, that you might expect, in a situation like this, I think they would be much more resistant to it. But I think I think they feel proud of it, actually, which uh, I think is a great sort of stamp of approval for us that we've been able to make a film that doesn't ignore the hardships, but that still can be something that people in that region feel proud of. That's excellent. That is so good to hear. I, I recently had on um, the director of uh, City of Joy, and uh, again, I mean, I think most documentary filmmakers have tried to tackle issues, to try to tackle things that are difficult, whether they're social issues, political issues, just general things. Now, that's not true of all documentaries, but a lot of them, sure. a high percentage of them are. And uh, so often, unfortunately, in the world we live in, documentaries are often met with stony silence as far as what it is that they're addressing. It's easier to mm -hmm. ignore than to, than to actually address it. But it's so heartening to hear, and you as filmmakers and as just human beings must that must be so satisfying to get this kind of a reaction where you feel like in your own way you've 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 moved the marker forward and it's up to others certainly to 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 continue that journey but through a, such a, a a wonderful beautiful story a story which is the heart and soul of human existence is to tell stories mm -hmm. and 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 to try to sort of figure out what life is about, and this film is certainly in that vein. And I, um, my my congratulations to both of you for a absolutely beautiful work and for what you've been able to accomplish, and also for the innovation of what you did and how you told the story. It's uh, my my hats off to you both. Congrats. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate everything you've said. <laughs> well, you're, um, you're welcome. You're very welcome. Yes. I just I think that, you know, I've I've had the pleasure of working on a lot of documentaries and I think that it's it's really exciting to see so many filmmakers now taking kind of breaking open the box of the the documentary genre and and sort of trying different ways to invite audiences into the story and yeah. you know, having started it almost 10 years ago now, we kind of didn't didn't imagine that we would well, we didn't have quite, you know, a clear vision at that early stage about what the film would be, you know, but we've been stumbling along for years figuring it out. And I think now it's, the film is coming out at a time that's really interesting for documentaries. And I, I think really exciting storytelling happening from, from all kinds of different folks. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we're just excited to be a part of that. I mean, I think of Wormwood more recently with Errol Morris and what he's done. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, I there's so many documentaries out now where you're absolutely right. They're sort of taking this leap. 306 Hollywood was a documentary I just saw. Mm -hmm. I really like what's happening with with documentaries uh, in in telling the story. This is a wide open field. I'm so glad to be at all involved in terms of trying to promote what's happening in the, in this realm because it feels like eventually. 
this builds over into a narrative sort of form. It goes back and forth. I think the narrative inspires documentaries and documentaries inspire narrative storytelling as well. So, um, well, thank you so much uh, to the both of you, Amanda and Aaron Cop, uh, for being here on Film School today. Again, the film is Liana. It opens today here in Los Angeles, actually, at the Glendale, at the Lemley Glendale Theater. They're in town for a Q&A at the 720 screening on Friday night, October 19th, and Saturday night, October 20th. Check it out. The film, again, is Liana. Amanda and Aaron, thank you so much for being here on Film School. My pleasure. Yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.